now with the latest from the world of technology. This is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketchpad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 334. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your loyalty. First-time listeners, we're glad you've discovered us and we hope you become a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennick and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. Now on this week's show, have flagship smartphones become too expensive? Tesla to roll out new sentry and dog modes on their electric vehicles and links as partners with Trend Micro to create a secure home network. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new Sony True 4K home cinema projector, the Razer Phone 2, smartphone designed for gaming, that is, and the Synology DS-119J network-attached storage, and we'll explain everything about that. And we'll wrap it all up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Now, it's showtime. Well, smartphones, we've all got them. Every Everyone listening to this podcast, I bet my bottom dollar is, uh, has a, is a smartphone owner. You could probably even be listening to the podcast on your smartphone, I think that's a, a fair bet. So, point is, we're a, we are all smartphone customers, all smartphone users. But some new research has come to light to show that the smartphone market actually shrank last year. It, it shrunk by about three percent, so nothing too drastic. But in a, in a market where it, it is a device that's owned nearly by everybody, it is it is surprising to see the market shrink a little bit like that. And at the end of 2018, there was also uh, a difference between iPhone users. There were 9.1 million iPhone users and 11 million Android users. And if the trend continues, Android is, is pulling away from iPhone. And you've got to remember, iPhone is one brand, Apple. Android is many brands. So uh, you have to take that into account as well. But... From the iPhone perspective, and the these this research from Telsite has shown that Apple is slowly losing more market share to Android. Now, it's a, a result of a couple of things. We can we can speculate that it is just the sheer number of Android devices out there. You got Samsungs, Huawei, HTC, LG, all these companies, Nokia, you name them. They're all running, you know, Oppo, all running Android. And, and there are a lot of choices. But the other factor that I think it comes into play here is the price of new smartphones, new flagship phones. And Apple in particular surprised everybody. Everyone was a little shocked at the price of their latest devices. They announced the iPhone XS and XS Max. And the most common response was, wow, these are expensive. And the, the XS starts at... 629 bucks and goes all the way up to 2199 for the top of the line 512 gig model. And then if you want to go to the 6.5 inch 10S Max, that starts at 1799 bucks and goes all the way up to $2369 for the uh, the top of the line 512 10S Max. And Apple's not alone here with uh, expensive or more expensive devices either. Samsung's Note 9 costs $14.99 or $17.99, depending on your capacity. The Huawei Mate 20 Pro is a $1,500 phone. So we're, we're all seeing these companies putting out these great new devices. And yeah, they're, they're new. They've got some new tech involved, but they are more expensive than ever before. So... The flow-on effect of that, the reaction to the customer from the customer, is the fact that 
I'm maybe not going to invest in a new phone right now. I might hang on to my existing phone. That, that's that's the re- explanation why the market has shrunk a little bit. There's a lot a lot of customers thinking, yeah, my phone can last me another year. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people hang on to their phones longer now. And and even if you're an iPhone user, there are now uh, it's a cheap it's cheap to replace your battery. Battery health deteriorates over time. But if you can put a, a new battery in a four-year-old device, it'll be like new again. So you're getting the performance. Features are still uh, as good as the flagship. The only thing you're not getting is probably the latest camera, the best camera. You may be not, maybe not having uh, the, the fastest processor that's on the, the latest device. It's obviously the fastest all the time. But is the new smartphone too expensive for people? Uh, that's, uh, it's definitely playing, uh, that's definitely a factor in this study. And yeah, it was only down 3%, but 3% in a market where everybody's looking for a phone or looking to update a phone is, is a big deal. The other, the other factor that's come to play here too, and this, is, this surprised me, Telsite says that the availability of 5G handsets also played a part. So there are, surprisingly, people waiting for 5G. One in three of the people in the Telsite survey said that 5G compatibility would be a factor for them when choosing a new device. One in four, so about 24%, said they're actually holding off purchasing a new phone until 5G is available. So it, it's interesting that 5G is already playing a part. It's, it's only just, it's baby steps for 5G. And, and there, there will only be a few brands that will have a 5G model in 2019. I, I, the, 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 what I'm hearing for, for Telstra reckons they're going to have devices, 5G devices in the first half of 2019. I heard the companies that are supporting that will be LG, HTC, Oppo and Samsung. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Optus kicked off their 5G network, but for them, the focus is mobile and, and home broadband. Sorry, no, it's not mobile. The focus is home broadband. Mobile is secondary because they know the devices are not ready. So they're, they're thinking, well, it's going to be the second half of the year. And Telstra are claiming that it'll be the first half of the year. So we don't know who's right. We don't know whether it, it's going to take place. We're going to see devices in the first half of the year. Uh, so that's another factor as well. Are we going to see, is, is the new iPhone going to be 5G compatible? I, I doubt it. Uh, the, what I'm hearing from from the, within the industry is that the new, the prototypes, 5G prototypes are bigger, chunkier, thicker than your normal device. And, and I don't think customers are willing to sacrifice the form factor for a little bit of extra speed on a 5G network that's still being built, that's still in its very, very early stages. So that'll be an interesting one to see where that goes. But one thing that is uh, 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 formed part of the study as well was the mobile payment setup, and, and a lot of customers' mobile payments are increasing rapidly, and smartphones for nearly half of customers, they use their their smartphone as a payment method regularly. Uh, Telsite's research says one in eight of, uh, of eight Australians aged 16 to 34 actually left their bank due to a lack of mobile payment support. In other words, their bank didn't offer Apple Pay, so they quit. I've heard lots of stories. When ANZ announced Apple Pay back in 2016 and Combank, Westpac, National Australia Bank weren't having a bar of it back then. I know for a fact that many, a lot of my readers and some of you listeners even contacted me to say, well, I'm out. And they shifted to the ANZ Bank because they wanted Apple Pay. So it just goes to show we've got more loyalty to our phone than we do to our bank. And that, that says a lot. Now, on the smartwatch side, Telsite says that there were 3.5 million devices uh, that were in use by the end of 2018. And this is a the, the smart wrist wearable devices so uh, more more than more than 1.1 million of those sales were sold in the second half of 2018 which is up 30% from the same period smartwatches are still the leader in the category so they of all wrist wearable devices the 65% of the market is smart is a smartwatch and apple not surprisingly held the top spot with their apple watch 
followed by Fitbit and Garmin, then coming in second and third. The smart speaker market also had a massive surge, and that was another popular Christmas gift. Now, 16% of all Australian households, roughly 1.6 million people, now using smart speakers. So we're talking Google Home, Amazon Echo, and Apple's HomePod. But have a guess which brand is the runaway leader with 72% market share. If you said Google, you'd be absolutely right. They've got that monstrous market share, 72%. So Amazon has got a fair way to go, as has Apple with its HomePod. So uh, Google, first user, first mover advantage there. They're doing very well in the, in the home smart speaker market. That information is interesting. Tell us, though, are you putting off buying a phone because they're too expensive? Will you buy a new phone? Will you get it on a plan? Well, what, is, what, do you, what, what will you do? Hit us up on Twitter at Stephen Fennick or at TechGuideAU. We'd love to hear from you or leave us a voice bite. We'd play your voice bite on the next week's show. Click on the blue icon, the record button on the Tech Guide website. We'd love to hear from you. But if you want to read more about those stats and that information, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Well, Tesla are in the news again, and there's going to be some updates. Uh, Elon Musk tweeted that the company's going to roll out a couple of new features in the coming days. In, in fact, uh, it could be within a day or two. And that's what I like about and, and, um Full disclosure here, I'm a Tesla owner. I've got a, a Model S, a 75D. And what fascinates me about my car is that it's one massive gadget that you can update like your phone. You update it, and then suddenly there are these new features. We've had a uh, big version 9 update, which really added a lot of new features. Uh, it allows you to use uh, your cameras and the sensors in the car as a, as a dash cam. So you just put in a USB drive. You need to format it correctly, but it's basically using the cameras that exist in the car as a dash cam. There's also been romance mode, which turns the big 17-inch display into a fireplace, which then plays romantic music and then heats the seats up as well. So uh, <laughs> that's romance mode. But this week, Elon has been Elon Musk has been tweeting this uh, these this news. They're going to introduce two new modes to the Tesla, and those modes are going to be sentry mode and dog mode. Let's start off with sentry mode, and what what we'll get there is this, is, and this is an enhanced autopilot feature. So what it's going to do here is take advantage of all the cameras on the car, because basically you can get a three sixty degree view of the car using all the sensors and the camera on and the cameras on board. That that's what it uses when it's when it's in auto when you're using autopilot, enhanced autopilot. So. What's going to happen? Sentry mode will create like a 360-degree dash cam while you're parked. So imagine if something happens to your car that it's going to record what happens and then like a dash cam would. And so it gives you, Elon Musk, in response to some tweets about this suggestion of this feature, and that's probably why it's come about. There were, there were people tweeting pictures of smashed windows on Model 3s and uh, you know they're, they're asking, why can't we use all these cameras in the car to keep an eye on our cars? And that's exactly how Tesla's responding. So if you've got enhanced autopilot on your car, then all those cameras are going to come into play with sentry mode. So if, you, if something happens to your car, it'll record it. But... Being Tesla, and this is what I like about the company, they've got a sense of humor as well. Now, here's what is apparently going to happen. If sentry mode's activated in your car, you'll it will record what is going on around your car. So if there's people around your car, someone's dented your car, smashed a window, it's going to record everything and then play Barks, Toccata, and Fugue, which is this piece of music.
<laughs> so that's that's a fairly gothic. I think like a horror. It sounds like a horror film soundtrack. So imagine if you bump into a Tesla, kicks off the sentry mode, and this music then suddenly starts blaring from the car. I think the person who's anywhere near your car is going to get a bit of a fright. I look forward to that feature being rolled out in the coming days. Now, the other feature that is supposedly uh, going to be included with the later, the next update in the next day or two is dog mode. Now, we've all heard the often tragic stories of owners leaving their pets, particularly the dog, a dog, in a hot car. And it's not uncommon to see if you see a dog on a hot day locked up in a car, then it's not unusual for for passers by to smash windows so that they've got that the, the, the they can cool down and, and get some air. And I'd never in a million years I've got two Dalmatians and a they wouldn't fit in my Tesla they're pretty big dogs but b I'd never in a million years think of leaving a dog in a hot car. But that hasn't stopped Tesla coming up with dog mode, which basically sets the Tesla's air conditioner on so that the car is constantly being cooled. And, I, and during during this summer on a hot day, if I know that I'm going back to my car in the next 20 minutes, I can, from my app on my smartphone, turn on the air conditioner. So I can set the temperature and run the air con from my phone, no matter where I happen to be, and it'll it'll be on. So when I get back to the car, it's nice and cool. So the, the car, which has a massive battery, don't forget, can run your air conditioner constantly. I think the only proviso is if, if, the, if the battery gets below 20%, you can't keep it on for a, a long time when you're not in the car, when, it's not, when you're not driving it. So with dog mode then, the air conditioner will be running. On the screen, don't forget there's a massive screen in the car, so this will work on the Model S, Model X, and Model 3. On the display... A person looking into the vehicle will see on the screen these words, I'm fine, my owner will be right back. So aircon running, message on the screen, and this Elon Musk as well confirmed this with a simple yes on a tweet when someone asked him. So dog mode is also a reality, and... It'll apparently on the screen display the length of time the owner has been away from the vehicle and also display the car's current temperature. So if you look in a car into a Tesla with dog mode activated, you may see a little pooch in there, but on the screen it'll say, I'm okay, my owner's going to be right back. It'll say, my owner's been gone for three minutes and the in-car temperature is 22 degrees. So not too bad. But again, I would never think of leaving a, a dog in the car. Even with dog mode, I would never think of doing it. Sentry mode, I'm a, a big fan of that. And again, you'll need enhanced autopilot to enable this func- that particular function. I think dog mode will work if you've got enhanced autopilot or not. Enhanced autopilot is an add-on to the car. It doesn't come with the car. You need to pay to get that activated. And the hardware already exists within the car, the cameras, the radar, and everything that's used for enhanced autopilot. Then when you upgrade or pay for the enhanced autopilot all of that is then activated the software is installed and you've got enhanced autopilot so sentry mode i think will become yet another additional feature of enhanced autopilot as is the automatic parking and the summon mode that's all part of enhanced autopilot as well so sentry mode could be joining those ranks as well if you want to read more about the interesting tesla modes you can check both of those out at techguide.com.au Now, home security is important, of course, and I'm talking about our home network security. And what we what we often do is have security software on our devices, whether it's our mobile devices, whether it's our our computers. And one of our sponsors, Norton, has their Norton Core, which has a software and hardware combination where you're protected at the network level. Well, what Linksys has done, they've partnered with Trend Micro to offer their mesh Wi-Fi system, which is the VELOP system. That's the tri-band mesh Wi-Fi system. And they have partnered with Trend Micro so that users can have this network-wide protection of their home. So you think about all the devices that are on a network. We've got our televisions, security cameras, baby monitors, you name it. There's a lot of devices there, 
that could be susceptible to cyber criminals. Now, how do you how do you update the software on a security camera easily or a baby monitor? It's not the easiest thing to do. So, with the Linksys and Trend Micro partnership, Linksys obviously supplies the hardware, and then Trend Micro has this subscription service that's called Linksys Shield, and that's powered by Trend Micro. So, what this will do, this will allow at the network level for users, as particularly the adults, to filter sites by device or by user for their family. Not only will it protect them from any outside threats, but it will also allow the users to take control if they they may have young children with iPads or phones or computers. So they can control this from a dashboard now uh, that is easily accessible from their from their uh, their mobile device or from their computer or browser. They can even allow guest access. So if someone comes in, they can allow that person access. And so it, it, it allows them to set limits for the type of sites that can be visited. Obviously, you can block adult content and inappropriate content based on age. So one child might be only eight, so they, they got really strict limits. There might be another child who's 16 who might be, might be able to watch or look at a few things more than the young eight-year-old. So, and the protection goes all the way to iPads, gaming consoles, laptops, uh, you name it, whatever's on the network can now be monitored and controlled thanks to this Linksys Trend Micro partnership. You can even set screen time limits. You can even pause the internet for various devices and various users. So if you want your children to come to dinner and they're all on their devices, well, you can pause the internet or cut off their individual devices, limit their time until they come to dinner or do finish their chores or whatever they finish their homework, whatever they have to do. It's now a really easy way for you to take a bit of control. So it's a smart move here. I think that a lot of parents, I get a lot of questions from listeners and readers asking, look, I've, I've just given my son and or daughter their phone and I'm worried what they're looking at. Well, this is a great way to look at what they're doing at home. There, are, There is other solutions for you to remotely control what they're looking at and monitor what they're looking at. So there, there are other things like Family Zone and Family Eye and all these other various apps you can install and pay like five bucks a month to have access to that. This system as well, uh, if you do have a VELOP system already, all you need to do is pay for the Australian Parental Control subscription, which is $749 a month, or you can choose to pay $75.99 for a whole year. So it gives you that monthly access, or you can pay for the whole year, and all of these controls are at your fingertips through the Alinxis Mesh system. So think of it as protection network-wide, not not just the devices that have software on there uh, installed on them. Every device on that network has this protection now through that, that Trend Micro partnership. The Linksys uh, VELOP system, we've written about them on TechGuide and also Trend Micro, a very well-known internet security company. We've written about their partnership. If you want to read more about that, you know where to find them, techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand, and Netgear is issuing a challenge. They're issuing the Orbi Home Wi-Fi Challenge. So any customer who buys a Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi kit, if you don't get better home Wi-Fi, you'll get your money back. That's a pretty big claim. They've got confidence in this product. Orbi Wi-Fi systems are designed for any size home, large or small. If you've got an apartment, if you've got a loft, single home, sprawling estate, no, no more dead zones, no black spots, just better Wi-Fi everywhere. And for those times when you need a little more, Orbi add-on satellites gives you additional coverage inside and out. So it's perfect for backyards, garages, and even the granny flat. In today's modern household, Orbi's tri-band Wi-Fi system lets you stream your favourite movies in 4K, you can play online games and still provide ultra-fast Wi-Fi no matter how many devices are connected. 
all be plugged into your existing modem and is really easy to set up with just a few clicks. And not only does it work great, it looks great too and blends into your home's decor. Orbi's the easiest, fastest and most expansive and advanced mesh Wi-Fi network available today. And don't forget, take the Orbi challenge. If you don't get better home Wi-Fi, you can get your money back. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. We're kicking off our reviews this week with probably one of the best products we've seen for quite a while. Uh, we're, uh, I'm a massive, I've got a home theater. I've got my uh, dedicated home theater. And I have the projector, the Sony 4K projector that preceded this projector that we're going to talk about today, the VPL VW570ES. This is the 4K SXRD home cinema projector with 1800 lumens brightness, picture position memory, and most importantly, it's got HDR on board. That's one thing my previous projector never had. Wasn't as anywhere near as bright as this either. So I'm coming from a position here where I've seen what came before and I've seen the new model and I so have to get the new model because it puts my old model in the shade. Now, with the Sony projector, you're getting true 4K resolution. That's 4,096 by 2160. There are other 4K projectors in the market that don't have the true number of pixels in 4K. So it's like, it's like do you remember when there was 1080p and 1080i? There are some projectors that give you like 4Ki where it's not the full resolution all the time. So it's giving you... Technically, 4K resolution, but not in the true manner that the Sony projector does. So that's the big difference here, and Sony have been a leader in in this area. If you've got a dedicated home theater, then if you've got a serious dedicated home theater, then this is the sort of projector you need to have. That's one thing I promised myself when I built my house and I, I took the trouble of creating a dedicated home theater. It's a passion of mine to be able to watch movies in comfort and in great quality. I watch my sport in there. I play the, the, my gaming consoles in there, watch live television in there. And I thought I wanted to sit in that room. I didn't want to have any regrets to say, geez, I wish I had got a better projector. That was one promise I made myself. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't gamble. That was what I, I put my money towards and I enjoy it every day. But this new model has blown me away with just how much better it is than the previous model. The previous model is only four years old. So this has come along and has got a dynamic contrast ratio of 350,000 to one. It's got tremendous resolution that we've already spoken about. Amazing black levels. Black on a projector is very, very difficult to produce. Yet the new Sony 4K projector has these really deep blacks that is is way, way ahead of anything else in the market, including its previous model. It's put its previous model in the shade. Now, it also uses Sony's proprietary triluminous technology. So this produces really good colors and natural tones, and it is uh, really color accurate. And that's one thing I like about it. There are different modes. You've got Cinema Mode 1, Cinema Mode 2. There's it. You can even play around with the color temperatures as well. I think when I first got it to review, I think everyone's faces looked a bit pink, so it was a bit too warm. But there were other color temperature modes and other little things we could adjust to get it exactly how we wanted it. Now, on the HDR side, that's probably the biggest difference I'm noticing from the previous the previous projector, which is the VW300. Now, the VW570ES brings HDR to the table, and that really makes a big difference in terms of contrast at one end, brightness at the other end, and everything in between, it is really a lot more realistic. You can see a lot more detail in those scenes. Nothing's washed out anymore. Everything's really clear and in focus. So it really gives you a a truer 
look at what at the film. You're not seeing a washed out image that okay, in that white space there should be some detail, and in that dark space there should be some detail. But oh, you don't have HDR, so bad luck. Well, not not that's not the case with this projector. HDR really makes it special. It really produces that extra detail that you never thought existed uh, before. It's also got the 4K motion flow. So if you're watching fast-moving objects or action films, sport looks great on the projector as well. So if you uh, if if you you got the motion flow there, or and there's been a lot of argument about this. Remember Tom Cruise did a video about oh the motion flow it sort of smooths it out. What what this does? All TVs have this mode where it's it can smooth the movement, the sort of the juddering of the picture. Now, to, I compare that to beauty mode on a phone. If you if you want to smooth out your skin and take this this photo that looks nice but doesn't quite represent you, then you can do that. That's the same thing for motion flow and other. It's called other uh, different names on on other devices on other TVs, but it basically does the same thing. It reduces blur, smooths things out. Now, for cinema purists. Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie, we spoke about them a few weeks ago, they were encouraging people to turn it off to get you the warts and all true theatre look. Now, this has it. If you are a cinema purist, then there is the true theatre mode, so you can retain the original 24 frames per second. Yes, there might be some juddering, but that's exactly how it would appear in the theatre. That's exactly how the filmmaker wanted it. So if that's something that you want and you want to keep the true theatre feel, then yes, you have that option. I think Tom Cruise's argument was that that feature was on by default. He says his argument was that it should be the choice of the viewer whether they want to have that true theatre mode or have the smoothing turned on. Uh, on the brightness side, I mentioned already 1,800 lumens, which is super bright for a 4K image, and we're projecting it. I've got a 150-inch screen, and it looks pristine. I watched uh, I watched Empire Strikes Back the other day, and it's never looked as good. Now, that's a Blu-ray film on a 4K projector. That's another great feature of this projector is that it upscales to 4K. It is brilliant. So not only I've got the, the top-of-the-line Panasonic 4K player in there as well, by the way, which also can upscale. Combine that with the Sony projector, that can also upscale. So you're getting some solid upscaling. And seriously, Blu-ray films look like they're 4K. So I feel I feel less obliged to, if I own a film on Blu-ray, unless it's just an absolute favourite title, if I've got it on Blu-ray, I know that the upscaler's got my back. I probably don't need to go out and buy the 4K version because it looks so good. But if it's a title that I really love and I, I want to have it in native 4K, then of course I'll go out and buy it. If, if they ever release the original Star Wars trilogy in 4K, I'll say, here, take my money right now. Of course I'm going to buy them. But any other film that I've got on Blu-ray that I'm happy with, that the projector can upscale to near 4K, then it's still pretty good. And it's going to save me a little bit of money in the long run. So I can save it up to buy this projector because I am, I just, I cannot look at my original projector in the same way. After seeing this, I can't unsee how good this new projector is, how much better it is than the old projector. So I think uh, I'm going to have to get saving to get this for myself as well. You, you, you know that a product's good when you want to buy it. And uh, me, they've got me. They've, uh, they've, I've seen how good this is. I've had it in my theatre for a little while and... When they took it back, it broke my heart. I think I'm going to have to get get saving pretty shortly. Now, we should point out the fact, of course, this isn't a cheap product. This is this is an eleven thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollar projector. Now, remember, I said to you, I don't drink or smoke, so all the money you spend on your drinks and smokes and gambling. I've been putting that away. I've been saving, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save up, and I'm going to get this projector. So. Uh, what more can I say? Is that if there's no bigger endorsement than that that I want to buy this product for myself? Uh, so it is it is truly incredible detail, great resolution, great brightness. The HDR is incredible. You really have to see it. You know, I could be talking about it all day. You can't really appreciate it until you see it for yourself. And I've had people in my theater and said, look, have a look at this. And they go, whoa, they just can't believe how sharp that is. And uh, the setup I've got, as I said, is a 150-inch screen. I've got the, the 7.2 sound and the electric recliners. It's a great experience. But it, it, what what really makes the experience is just that the clarity, the, the brilliance of that image coming 
coming out of that Sony 4K projector. The VPL VW 570ES. Uh, you'll get a dollar change out of $12,000, but I think if you've got a serious home theatre set up, worth every penny. You want to read our full review? You can check that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. Righto, next up we're talking phones. And uh, this, this device, this is from a company called Razer. Now, Razer, if you're a gaming, if you're into gaming, you probably heard this name. They make mice and keyboards and all kinds of things, computers, gaming PCs and laptops. Well, they've also uh, released a phone, the Razer Phone 2. This is a smartphone built for mobile gaming, and they've they've really packed in the features that would appeal to a gamer. Now, I'll say right off the bat, this isn't the sexiest phone in the world. It's big. It's like a big block, square corners, and it's pretty chunky compared to other devices, but it has got incredible an incredible screen, probably the best speakers we've heard on a phone, a very powerful processor to give you that great experience, and really good battery life. Uh, let's start with the screen, and it has a screen, an IGZO display, which is short for indium gallium zinc oxide. That's they're the materials that were used to create this special thin film transistor that gives you a higher pixel density. So the screen looks really sharp, really crisp. It's also got a 120 hertz refresh rate. So that's like that's like some modern televisions at the re- refresh rate, which is different to the resolution and different from the frame rate. Just to explain the refresh rate, it's the number of times per second the screen is refreshing itself. And the more times it does it, the smoother the image is. So you think about it, you're playing some high-speed games on this thing, 120 hertz refresh rate, and there are games that are compatible with that 120 hertz refresh rate. It looks like you're playing it on your television. Really smooth. This is a device you're holding in your hand. You'd probably be playing this on the bus or the train or sitting somewhere. This is gives you that kind of experience. It's got a resolution of 1440 by 2560, so it is super sharp. Uh, throw in that refresh rate, and this screen really, really gives you a great experience when it comes to gaming. The other cool part of the phone, though, is they, they do have on the back the Razer logo. Now, you can choose to illuminate that logo there's a little chroma feature that allows you to turn it on solid uh, have it so that you can choose the color you want it to be you can even have it so that it appears to be breathing so it comes up and goes down it goes up and goes down or you can have it changing colors like spectrum so it'll it'll go through all the colors that though it it did have a little bit of an impact on the battery though The, the fact you're playing games that didn't have as much impact as having the light on the back the 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 uh the logo lit up all the time. Now, you got to remember, this being a gaming device, like a like a, a gaming PC. So you consider this a sh- the phone version of your gaming PC. So it's got the great screen, great speakers. It's also got, it's got a cooling system on board as well. So one thing a gaming PC tends to do, it tends to overheat. So what this has done, it's got this vapor cooling system. So it uses water vapor to keep the phone cool. So you might be powering through this incredible game. And what I found when we were reviewing it, we were playing Left 4 Dead and, and Asphalt 9 and all these really high-end games. We did feel the phone was a little bit warm in our hands. So that don't forget that there is already a cooling system in place. Imagine if there was no cooling system in place, how hot the phone would get. So... It it needed it needs that to and I'm, talk, I'm when I say warm I'm not saying you burn your hands but you could tell that it was heating up slightly uh, so uh, that that's a, that was an essential to have that cooling system on board now what about the battery level I, I thought there's no way this battery's going to last 45 minutes the the, the 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 experience we're having playing these intense games and great sound the sound quality is remarkable I'm thinking the battery's going to last an hour. But I was wrong. It lasted all day. It was it was my phone. It was I was having using all my apps and using emails and making calls and things like that and playing a fair bit of game, a fair few games during the day, and the battery just hung in there. Got got us through to the evening. Um, we didn't have the the Chrome of the back uh, logo lit up all the time. We wanted to sort of give the battery a bit of a rest there. 
So that kind of helped us. But I was surprised by the battery life. And uh, another another feature is it's uh, it's water resistant to a depth of one meter. It's got an IP IP sixty seven rating. Now, as you'd expect, this has got solid. There's some solid guts behind this this. Uh, phone, the Razer Phone 2. It's got the Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 processor, 8 gig of RAM, which is a lot. You need a lot because you, you these, some of these games are pretty intense and you do need a lot of power there, so there's no lag. It, it is pretty responsive. Now, on the camera side, it does have an impressive camera. Not the best camera you can buy. There's, there are better cameras on other smartphones, but the cameras are respectable, so it can still take some pretty interesting shots. I've got a couple of shots of I've got a shot of my dog, my Dalmatian Logan, and a little picture of a little statue. You can see the detail in the image is actually quite impressive. It's a twelve megapixel rear camera, takes some really impressive shots. So it's it's good enough for you as a as a as your camera as well. Now the battery I mentioned was really impressive, four thousand milliamp hour battery on board and uh, did power through the day. That was a, one of the most surprising things about this device. Now, what about the price? It's not cheap. It's 1249 bucks, which kind of puts it in the Samsung and iPhone territory. But who's going to buy this device? If you're right into your games, or if you watch, like watching good content on the move, because don't forget, what a screen that makes games look good will make your Netflix look good as well. Speakers can also provide fantastic sound. So if you're into enjoying content on the go, if you're into playing games on the go, then this is the phone for you. If, if you don't mind having, there's some compromise in terms of the design and the size, but it's, it's kind of like having uh, a big car. If you like a big car with a lot of power, then that's a compromise you're happy to make. If you do like having this fantastic screen, phenomenal speakers, great performance so to play your games anywhere then i think uh, it's definitely worth it if you if you if gaming is your your main focus enjoying content on the go is your main focus then the Razer 2 is a standout for those kinds of customers the Razer phone 2 1249 bucks if you want to read more about it you can check it out at techguide.com.au Next up, we're talking Network Attached Storage, or NAS for short. Now, I'm sure there's some of you listening that have they've heard of NAS. You probably already have a Network Attached Storage in your home. But I'm betting there's a lot of you that have never heard of it and have never had a Network Attached Storage in your home. Now, the Synology Disk Station DS119J is a great entry-level Network Attached Storage. Now, Network Attached Storage allows you to configure the amount of memory you want to have, and you can set it up as a backup. You can set it up as a redundancy. So you can have for, for, for businesses and high-end users who want to have backups of their backups, then they set up these network-attached storage drives to back each other up. So you might have a, a RAID 2. You might have a, a main backup and a secondary backup. You may only have one backup. It depends on how you want to do it. And you need enough memory to do it and then separate drives to do it as well. So if you want a really advanced network attached storage drive, you can buy them with four, five, six bays where you can put in a hard drive. That's one thing about the, the disk store, the, the NAS drives. You have to bring your own hard drives. So you need to go out. That's a separate purchase. In the case of the disk station, you still have to buy your own drive, but there's only one bay. You can only have one drive inside, so it's meant to be your own personal cloud backup. It's meant to be your own uh, place to store files, documents, important things that you can access not only within your own network, but across the other side from the other side of the world if you have to. That's one good thing about this. It's, it's, it's aimed at that entry-level, first-time NAS user, so it's really easy to set up. We, uh, we, we put in for our review, and you, again, you've got to buy your own drive to put inside it. Um, we put a six terabyte drive inside, and initially, when we got the unit out, the, uh, the, the we think I'm thinking where there's normally a bay that you can flip open and pull out uh, this little mini rack, and you put in the drive and slide it back in again. I've reviewed other NASAs on on Tech Guide, but in the instance, in the case of the the D the DJ one one nine the DS one one nine J. 
I'm thinking, where the hell do I put the disc? And then I worked out that the side panel slides off and then comes apart, and you can it opens up. You can slide in the drive and then and then adjust it. So once we got that sorted, it was literally a matter of minutes before the drive was formatted. We accessed the uh, the from the browser. We just had to go to find.synology.com, so that that found on our network. Uh, where the drive was located, and then we connected to it, it formatted it, and then it allowed us to uh, install different apps. We can install an app that can look after our photos, our music. Uh, the, the, you can install Plex, which can curate all your movies and even bring in posters and metadata so you can play it on any connected product in your house, including your smart TV, your computer. Uh, it gives that access to everyone else in the house. So if you've got a, a bank of photos you all want to keep together or a bank of music that you've got, you can access them within your network from this drive. Now, if you want to access it from outside of your network, that's another cool feature of this drive is it's got a feature called Quick Connect. Now, normally with a NAS, if you, you need a bit of knowledge to set up outside access, you've got to get into your modem settings and fiddle around with the network settings or port forwarding rules, all these things you have to know. Not everyone is, is up, to, up knowledgeable enough to do that. What I like about this is that Quick Connect does all the heavy lifting. It, it makes it easy to access all your files from across the internet. So when you set it up, it gives you a little address that you've just got to type in this. It's like a web web address. You type that into a browser anywhere in the world and you can access your disk station. So if you've got maybe important files located there, you may have things you need to access from time to time, but they're not on your computer or on your mobile device, you can still get to them from the the quick connect feature so uh, that 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 adds that that's another big tick uh, in my books that it's great from within your network which is cool you want to watch a movie listen to a bit of music access a file look at things you can do that uh, you can even there are apps to do things like set up your own cloud backup so you can back up laptops and other devices locally on your own network so you can have a little your own little personal cloud storage but another favorite feature of mine was the ability to monitor all your security camera streams. So there's a there's a surveillance app you can install that can then rather than saving to the cloud, they can save to the drive, to the disk station. And you can this would be ideal if you maybe owned a little store or you want to monitor an office. So you can have all these recordings in one place and be able to access them from anywhere as well. So rather than having to get all the SD cards or look at the various cloud services of these security cameras, you can have all that video on the disk, the disk station from Synology in your home or in your office. So re- really interesting works, of course, with Mac, Mac and Windows can be accessed then from your mobile devices on your network as well. So whatever content you've got that you want to share or access from anywhere, the disk station from Synology, the DS-119J can certainly handle it. Now, it costs $125, which is affordable. But again, remember, that doesn't include a drive. You need to get the actual 3.5-inch SATA HDD hard disk drive or the 2.5-inch. It fits as well. You're going to need a a little disk holder to hold a smaller uh, hard drive in place as well. But that's a separate purchase to the $125. So it's up to you how much capacity you want. I think you can get up to 14, 15 terabytes now or perhaps more on a drive. I've been a while since I bought a drive, so that capacity can be that. That's plenty if you uh, you, you you want to still store a, a reasonable amount, but not go overboard. The Synology Network Attached Storage, the DS119J. If you want to read our full review, you can check that out at TechGuide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They are the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, you've probably got antivirus on your computers and your tablets. Mad if you don't. But did you know that your router could be letting hackers into your home? The router is the heart of the connected home, but can also provide an entry point for hackers to attack anything connected to your networks. They can infect your devices, steal your information, and even spy on your home. And unfortunately, just password protecting your router won't block these threats. 
Introducing Norton Core, a smart and more secure Wi-Fi router that delivers speed and security all in one. Norton Core delivers next-gen Wi-Fi speeds to every corner of your home while helping to protect all your connected devices, your computers, phones, smart TVs, baby monitors, gaming consoles, smart speakers and more from digital threats by helping to block them at the network level. Now, with built-in parental controls, Norton Core also lets you set screen time limits by device or user. You can set content filters and even pause the internet across your entire home or from an easy-to-use smartphone app. Now, at the moment, Norton Core is on special at Harvey Norman for $98. So you're getting not only a high-performance router, but you're also getting that network protection as well. Norton Core, the smart, more secure Wi-Fi router, is available now for 98 bucks at your local Local Harvey Norman store. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk, we're talking about, talking about a couple of things. I had a, an email from a reader who was keen to get a Sony sound system. They, they wanted to play, uh, this gentleman wanted to play his CDs, wanted to also listen to the radio. Problem is, though, that the this was a speaker CD all-in-one, and this, this was a Sony system, uh, but it didn't have AM radio, and he said he likes listening to me on 2GB. Who can argue with that? I had to help this guy out. So I told him, yes, this system would work, but the beauty of the speaker system is it's got Bluetooth. So what you can do is pair your phone to the speaker and play 2GB or any other AM station for that matter, through the device so you can hear it through the speakers. So you've got built-in FM and you play AM through tuning radio on your phone, which you can pair to the speakers. Problem solved, and he can still play his CDs as well. The other question I had was about VPN. That's short for Virtual Private Network. That's basically your private tunnel into the internet, so no one can see what you're doing. You can, and and a lot of the people reasons, one of the reasons people have a VPN in the first place is to be able to access content from a different country. So if I'm uh, living, if I'm in the US, for example, and I want to watch an Australian uh, watch a content on an Australian site, I can switch my VPN to think to to tell that site that I'm actually in Australia when I'm not. So VPN sort of protects your your identity, protects, can have that, you can access content from other countries. And the question I had, though, was that they wanted a VPN to be a network-wide VPN. And uh, they said the modem's located here and it does this. And I don't think a VPN, as far as I know, a VPN works device to device. It's a little bit like having a license. So I suggested that count the number of devices that you want the VPN to work through and then buy the various licenses. And there's there's NordVPN, ExpressVPN. They come with, I think, three, four, or you know, five or six licenses. So count the number of devices, pick the reputable VPN, sign up to the plan, and then for that money per month, you get a certain number of licenses. So pick your mark. You want a VPN on your, your Android device or on your television, however you want to do it, on your computer, and you can do that. But just pick the right VPN plan with the right number of licenses. I don't think there is a way to have VPN across your home. It has to be per device. So hopefully that can help there. We've written about VPNs in the past and sound systems in the past as well. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that is the end of our show for this week. That went so fast. You can read about everything we've talked about, of course, at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, click on the record icon on the homepage, and that'll uh, activate VoiceBite. You can sign in with Facebook or Twitter, record your question. I will hear it and play it on next week's podcast and then answer your question as well. Or we still accept email info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special shout-out, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.